Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And that two weeks had actually been almost two years. Hello and welcome to the Miseducate podcast. My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miseducate blog and now podcast. This podcast is here to expand upon prior and future blog posts and is centered around having open and honest conversations about the aspects of life we have been misinformed on. Whether that be relationships, religion, culture, you name it, I'm here to talk about it. Each episode, I will be talking about a different topic and inviting guests to talk about their own experiences of miseducation and what they are doing to re-educate themselves. This podcast aims to make you laugh, think, and inspire conversations for change. None of us have it right. We have all been miseducated. In this episode, I'll be talking about why I left the church. I want to clarify a few things that I said in the previous episode and I want to talk about this topic of faith and religion because I've been avoiding it for a very long time. So without further ado, let's get into it. A few weeks ago, I ran into a man that attends my family church and he asked me, is everything okay? It's just, I haven't seen you in church for around two weeks now. I just wanted to know, is everything okay? I tried my best not to laugh. I didn't want to offend this man who was asking a genuine question. I simply answered, Yeah, everything's okay. Thank you so much for asking. And he went on his merry way. He didn't know that there was actually a really long and complicated story behind why he hadn't seen me in a while, and that two weeks had actually been almost two years. My whole life, I've grown up in the church. My Sundays could never be whole or complete without going to church. The songs, the prayers, the preaching, the people. 
And I did all the things that you do when you go to church as a child. I went to Sunday school. I went to the kids' programs and summer camps that eventually turned into youth camps and youth programs. I served on three different teams. And I guess you could say I was the perfect poster child. I had nothing to complain about. Everything was perfect. So what changed? Simply put, I went to university. And when I went to university, I had a plan. Firstly, I didn't, okay, side note, I didn't actually really want to go to university, but that's a whole nother story within itself. Um, but when I did end up going to university, which happened to be one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life so far, um, I had a plan. I was going to go to university and I was, even though I was leaving a church that I loved and that I'd grown up in my whole life, I was going to go to university, make sure I find a new home church, make sure that I'm serving on teams and root myself with other fellow Christians. And two, I was also going to go wild and do shenanigans and party. I was going to have both. I was going to go out and experience the freedom that I wasn't allowed to have at home because I kind of grew up in a very conservative household, in a very strict household, um, in which a lot of the things that I wanted to do or questions that I wanted to ask were not, I was not able to. Sorry, I said asked. I mean asked. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not from London. I'm not from down south. I'm a Midlands girl. So I'm going to speak with my accent. <laughs> but again, that's another story for another day. Because I have a theory and once I start talking, the Londoners will come after me. Anyway, that's besides the point. Okay. So I'm going to uni. I have this plan. I'm going to go to church. I'm also going to party. And I told people this. I was very open about this. Okay, people at my university. I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I also go out and party and I'll have a drink and we can go out and da 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 da. Like I was very open to sharing that with people because I knew that how I presented myself and that the training that I had, when people see me, they automatically see this very soft, demure very innocent little girl and people don't want to quote-unquote taint me um and so I very much like when I went to university I wanted to break that down I wanted to break down this goody-goody two-shoes good girl persona and I want to be able to kind of have both I wanted to be able to still be at church but also rebel like that is that it was my thought process as a 19, 20 year old at university. And as I said in the previous episode, I was able to do both, but not with ease and not always successfully. And in my first year, I had a few experiences and I was having difficult conversations and difficult kind of like confrontations with reality in which I was realizing that I was very unprepared for the world around me. And again, I don't really want to place blame on anyone because I don't like the negative connotations attached to the word blame. But I am going to hold people responsible, which is very much, you know, 
my community and a part of my community was the church that I was in and that I was brought up in my whole life because I feel like they should have prepared me for some of the things I had to deal with but also like my family background also should have prepared me for the things that I was about to deal with and that I dealt with in my first year and I guess because we didn't have those conversations there was a lot of shame so when certain things happened I kind of did not talk about it with a lot with people for a long time because I didn't feel like I could anyway I'm digressing but um within that time even though I was doing shenanigans I did still feel like it was weird because I was like I remember having this moment when I went through this period in first year where I literally remember just thinking god I'm disgusting I'm a sinner I'm literally the worst, I'm the worst person. I literally, I felt like I was the worst person in the whole world and I felt like this because I was like, I'm willingly sinning against God. I'm willingly doing this. I know what I'm doing and I'm still doing it and I'm doing it because I want to and for my own gratification, even though I know better, I've been taught better And I literally just remember like crying to God in my first year room, just like crying and just being like, God, you should hate me. I'm literally disgusting. Like I'm the worst of the worst because I'm not just sinning, I'm knowingly sinning and still feeling like this overwhelming sense of like, God is still there. Like, God is still here with me, even in how disgusting and horrible I'm feeling. It was so, it was, it almost, I almost literally, it was like, it was too much to handle that somebody could, that a a presence like that, mm, that was loud, sorry, that a presence like that could feel so loving, even when I felt like no one should love me at this point. I don't know it was just it it just felt weird anyway I say all that to say that in my first year although I still was you know successfully rebelling shenanigans as well as being involved in a church and I did find a really great church um I was going through different things in my life I was being confronted with a reality that I was not prepared for And I had a lot of questions. And I think that um, when it came to second year, I had a friend who was an atheist and he really, you know, really challenged me in my faith. He really challenged me to defend. I don't even think it was my faith that he was asking me to defend. I think he was asking me to defend my religion. He was like, defend Christianity. Tell me why you believe what you believe. And at times it felt tormenting and at times it literally felt like he was attacking me because I was like, I'm literally saying like, this is what I believe. And I would say, I know I'm a hypocrite and all this different stuff and it it would never suffice for him. And I felt like I was being attacked. And I remember this one time that we actually were going out um, and it was pre's and we were just about to go out 
I can't remember what event it was. Oh, I do remember what event it was. It was Coco. Oh, fun times. Um, we were about to go out, um, having pre's, um, literally music is blaring and I don't know why the topic of conversation was religion, but apparently the pre-drinks conversation, conversation was religion and he just looked at me and he was just like Sarah I just don't get it and we had had this conversation numerous times he just didn't get why I was a Christian and this time he said to me Sarah I just don't get it because like I've known you for a year now and you're this you know you're you're a feminist you're anti-racist you're this and you're that like you're not like other Christians that I've met before I don't understand why you believe like you hold these values of anti-racism um, and also being a feminist and all these different stuff. Like, I don't understand why you hold these values, but then you're also a Christian. Like you're a black woman and did, like, was it not used during slave? Was the Bible not used during slavery to justify why um, white people kept black people as slaves? And he started quoting scripture to me and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? And I remember feeling this, again, this feeling of like, I needed to shut down and defend myself and just kind of like ignore him and kind of, you know, flee the nest or like change the conversation or attack him back. Like I remember feeling that feeling, but there was also this other feeling that was like within that feeling. And it was like this little voice that was like, you know, Sarah, he's actually right and I remember just like instead of like closing myself off nodding and being like actually I agree with everything he's saying everything he's saying is 110% correct he is so right he is so right how is he so right how did I not see this before and after he was finished I said you know what 110% agree with you and I said but these are the errors of man of people and this is not a reflection of the character of God because the God I believe in is a God of love and justice and he would not co-sign this this is the act of humans and This was not the first time that I had realised that I actually disagreed with the ways of church institutions. But it was the first time that I realised that I actually actively wanted to do more research. And that's what led me to doing one of my blog posts and then a follow-up blog post in 2020 called Hey Church, Why Don't We Talk About Race? And I think this story, this conversation is an example of me realizing that my problem was not with God and that I never, I've never really had a problem with God at all, but that my problem was with the ways in which church as an institution was run. I'm not going to lie to you guys. As a child, into adolescence, into young adulthood, I have witnessed and overheard many conversations within the church that I don't agree with. 
I have seen many Christian leaderships and I've seen them, I've seen how they've been ran. I've seen slut shaming, racism, sexism, exploitation, nepotism. I've seen a lot. And although, as I said before, my problem was not with God, the issues that I had and started to bring and started to realise were unfortunately falling on God. And I started to ask myself, okay, God, yes, 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 yes. The church is an institution separate from God. Um, These people are using the name of God in vain and and co-signing him for racism and all this different stuff. But, 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 but. God, why would you let these people be in charge? Are they not divinely ordained? Why are these people in charge of congregations when they don't care about people, your people? Will these people go to heaven? Will I go to heaven? By the confession of our faith alone? By salvation alone? Is heaven real? Am I a hypocrite? I must be a hypocrite. I followed these people. I trusted these people. What about good people who have lived good lives in service of others, but they don't know you, God? Will they go to heaven? What about people in the remote areas of the world that will never hear the gospel? Will they go to heaven? Is hell real? Is being gay a sin? Why, God, have you let racism happen for these many years? Why didn't you just come down and stop it from happening? What about all these young kids and all the murder and all the horrible things that have happened in this world? Why have you just let it happen? I was in a faith crisis. I was having a crisis of faith. I've always had questions, but I've never really had an outlet in which I can ask these questions. And I know what you're probably thinking, surely it's the church. Surely that's where you're supposed to have your outlet in which you talk about how you feel and the questions that you have, but I never felt safe to do so. And so I didn't. And I want to also say that it wasn't also it wasn't just that I didn't feel like I could do so. It's not just because I didn't think that I could ask questions. It's because I knew that when I did ask questions, when I did rock the boat, when I did admit to my flaws or when people did admit to their flaws and wrongdoing, all of a sudden they were gone. It's like one minute they were centre stage and the next they're on the back row and the next you never hear from them again. And so whether whether actively or passively there was something within me that just said don't say anything Sarah, just don't speak. Don't try to change just stay where you are 
enjoy the privilege that you have, especially because I saw that I was definitely way more privileged and got way more opportunities in comparison to my other peers around me. I knew I was privileged and I just had to take it and I had to run with it. And that also, and I acknowledge that it makes me a hypocrite for one and it makes me a coward. I know that. I really do know that because I really was about saving myself rather than thinking about other people and standing up for what I truly believed in. But I didn't have the language and that's not an excuse because now I have the language too. But I am going to say that I was operating out of a mode of survival and I didn't have the tools or the language to articulate myself in the way that I do now. In the People Pleaser episode that I did when I was talking about that, um, the story of when I was supposedly in a, supposedly in a gang in secondary school, also applies here because I was very much a sheep. I blindly followed. I didn't ask questions. I didn't think for myself. I didn't do anything for fear of rocking the boat. And because... My obedience, my mindless obedience was always rewarded. And I had always seen that when people spoke up or spoke out or admitted to their wrongdoing, they were punished and casted aside and I didn't want that. So I didn't, I didn't say anything, I didn't do anything because my obedience was always rewarded. So why should I say anything? And also, are we not taught to obey in the Bible? And so I thought being a mindless, obedient sheep, as my yearhead had once described me, was good enough. Because it had gotten me this far. So why should I say anything? And I didn't. I didn't. But I realised being a mindless sheep was not enough and I realised that I didn't actually know God and I realised that I didn't actually agree with how things were ran in the church when I say church I mean church as an institution and it took a toll on me because I didn't know what I believed And in the summer of 2019, into the summer of 2020, I was running on empty. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I was running on nothing but other people. It sounds mean, but I would actually describe myself in that time as a leech. I was leeching off of other people. I was very dependent on other people because I didn't realize that I was slowly, painfully losing sense of who I was because I was losing sense of what I believed because I didn't know what what I believed. And I was, frankly, I was becoming depressed. And, um, in the summer of 2020, after the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, among the few, it started to take a toll on me, these questions of questioning my faith, questioning my identity, questioning my existence, questioning the atrocities of the world took a toll on me and I began to wake up every morning crying, praying to God, saying to God, God, if we could just, if humans could just live for each other, if we could just love one another, maybe, maybe the world would be a better place. If we truly knew how to love, maybe the world would be a better place. That dream, that idea, that maybe one day we'll wake up and maybe one day I'll wake up and everything will be okay, kept me going for a, for a while for a while I had hope and even though I was angry and all this conversation about race and racism and all this different stuff was bringing up a lot of like trauma I had hope and I really thought I really believed that the church could be a pioneer of this. And so when my childhood church, my church, didn't respond as I had hoped and thought that they would, I was mad. And I decided I was going to do something about it. And so... I used my privilege, the privilege that I had that my peers did not have. I used my place and my status or what I believed was my place and my status, my access to leadership, 
to have conversations and to try to facilitate conversations with leadership in my church. And those conversations happened. But I was left with more distress and more hurt. Because I felt that they did not want to take responsibility for some of the things that had happened. And that triggered more memories of things that had happened as, as a child. And it triggered more things of what I had witnessed, of other that other people had witnessed. So things that I had witnessed secondhand. And, and, and it made me less hopeful. And I began to spiral and ask God more questions. Why, 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 why? And I became more frustrated. And... In October, November of 2020, I decided that I was going to go to therapy because I needed it. I needed to talk to somebody about a myriad of different things, but also what had happened with my church because it was really the straw that broke the camel's back. I was walking around with a lot of hatred, a lot of bitterness, a lot of questions, a lot of heaviness, a lot of hurt because church hurt is real I felt I had been silenced I felt like I had been punished for raising my voice there were things that were said that hurt and cut so deeply and I went to therapy And I discussed these things with a therapist. And my therapist, who had a background in Christianity and had grown up in the church as well, just said to me, Sarah, I'm sorry that you had to go through these things. I can see that they really, really hurt you. But why are you still there? If these people hurt you the way that you say that they did, why are you still there? And part of me wanted to say to her, because I still believe that they can change. And I still believe that I am part of the change, that I can champion the change. And I wanted to say it. I really did. It was on the tip of my tongue. But then when I analysed with the rest of my body how I truly felt, I realised that I was exhausted mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I was exhausted and I realised although I wanted to be the change I was running on empty and I couldn't be the change because there was nothing in me to give and I thought to myself why do I have to be the one that has to continuously give why because you think that you're the exception to the rule And I realised I need to stop believing in this idea of thinking that you are the exception to the rule. Because although, yes, 
Yes. I was the poster child. I was still a black girl. In a white ran church. Even though it's predominantly black and has different ethnicities, it doesn't take away from the fact that it's white-led and it always has been. And I decided after having that conversation with my therapist to take a step back from church, take a step back and breathe and analyse and just kind of feel everything. And that's what I did. I took a step back. I stopped attending my church. And let me not lie, again, I'm going to acknowledge that I, it was easy for me to take a step back from church. You know why? Because it was during a pandemic. So um, it was very much easy for me to uh, not attend church because that meant not logging in online. Um, however, even though it was easy for me to do, I also wanted to make it a habit to not use that time to just be like, oh, okay, if I'm not logging on, I'm just gonna go on uh, Netflix instead and watch another episode of whatever I was watching at that time. Um, and I made it a priority to still be plugged in with one of the Christian societies on my campus at that time. I made it a priority to read my Bible, to actively read my Bible to pray, to do devotions, to stay within the community of believers because I realised, not I realised, I learnt from reading the Bible and having conversations with different people who challenged me in my faith at that time that the church is not a building and that even though it has become an institution because of, you know, many different things that have happened because it's been capitalised on, even though church has become an institution at its very root, it is about the people. It's about the people. It's about God's people coming together, holding each other accountable, holding each other together in the faith. It's about having that community. And it doesn't mean that it has to be a group of 30 people in a building singing songs, um, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it could be your neighbor it could be a few people that you meet it could be your friends yes it can also be you know a larger body of people together in a church building but it doesn't have to mean that and so you know i kept on and i wrestled and i struggled and i cried and there have been many times when i have not Talk to God, I read my Bible. I say that through gritted teeth. Um, I know Jesus beside I and me, like, mm -hmm, she got that right. That's the truth. Um, but yeah, there have been many times where I failed to kind of like be active within my faith and having that relationship with with God and reading my Bible. But I know that. I know that I, f I feel better when I'm reading 
my Bible and when I'm actively engaged with with God, even when I'm having these hard conversations or having these difficult or having difficult questions with God. I just feel more assured in what I believe. And um again, it was really easy to do because it was in the midst of a pandemic. It became harder when I actually moved back home and actually started to having to explain to people why I wasn't there. I think it was hardest talking with my parents because even though they were listening to me, it kind of felt like they weren't comprehending what I was saying and that they were hearing what they wanted to hear. And they thought that at times, because it was an ongoing conversation, it wasn't just a one conversation kind of thing. It was several different conversations in which I had to say that I don't agree with the institution of the church and I had to take a step back for my health, for my mental health and well-being, I had to take a step back. But that does not mean that I don't love God and that does not mean that I will never step back in the church building. Because to be honest, what they heard was, I'm not going. I don't like these Christian folks. They racist. I ain't going back. And what they heard was, I'm being petty. I'm being stubborn. I'm not going back. And that's not the case. That's not the case. And unfortunately, um, it's not just my parents who have had that, um, you know, same reaction. A lot of different people that I've had this conversation with have also had this reaction or or this response of, of interpreting my words as me just being petty and not wanting to go back. But really, I have been dealing with a lot of pain a lot of hurt and I've been working through it and also working through how I what I believe and how I feel in my faith and what I want to pursue and to be honest I feel like it makes me stronger and I remember actually saying to my parents I said it would be so easy for me to just walk back into that church to forget everything that happened to go back to serving on the teams that I served and pretend like nothing happened and to go back to not saying anything. And I looked at them and I said, but I can't, I can't. I, I physically cannot because it's not what I believe in and I wouldn't be being true to myself and who I believe that God has called me to be if I just did that, if I took the easy way out. And so as I said, I don't hate the church. I love the church. I love the church that I was brought up in. Love the church. I love the people in that church. I love them. They nurtured me. They took care of me. They brought me up. They were a part of the village that helped me raise me. I am who I am because of some of those people. Notice that I said some. However, I don't believe and I don't agree with how certain situations were handled And because of my own crisis of faith and my own beliefs, I had to take a step back and I had to find out who I was, what I believed, who God was, whether I believed in God, whether I wanted to believe in God, because church is all I'd ever known. So when it was taken away from me, it was like my identity was gone and I had to find out who was Sarah. Who is Sarah? Who is she? 
And it's been a journey of kind of like reuniting and having glimpses of and kind of merging together all these different parts of me, parts that I love about myself, confronting parts that I don't like about myself, um, healing, crying, healing again, more crying, getting rid of old things, reigniting with things that were once lost, it, it was a, it's a, it was, it's a long journey, it was a long, 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 long journey, and I had to take a step back, I had to, I don't hate God, and also, and I want to make this very clear, I never said, I have never once said that I will never step back into a church, because I have, because I'm still in search of church, I'm still in search of a community of believers that will still hold me accountable in my faith, I love God, I love God's people and I believe that at our human core, that our purpose on this earth is to love one another and to worship God. I know and I continue to find out what I believe. However, as I said before, I do not agree with the institution of the church and how it has come to be and how humans have capitalised it and used God to co-sign racism, sexism, homophobia, all the horrible things, atrocities of this world. And I believe that that the church, the institution of the church is separable from the very definition of the church, which are the people and the community of believers. And I never want to neglect those people. Some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life have been because of the church. And I'm so glad that I was able to meet them. And I continue to seek out and find church every day, not just on a Sunday. Because church, being around a community of people is so important. It's so important. And lastly, and I kind of want to stress this last part. I accept that as a Christian, I'm not perfect, that I have done bad things and that I'm not necessarily a good person. I accept that I don't really have all the answers, especially about the afterlife or morals or ethics. I'm not the person to look towards for morals and ethics. I also accept that when I tell people that I am a Christian, that some may believe that, yes, there will be those who have the perception of oh, she's a goody-goody two-shoes. But I also accept that there will be others that look at me and see the label of Christian and see that I am a part of a system that is racist, sexist and homophobic, to name a few. And they're not wrong. And they're not wrong. So Christians out there, if you ever encounter somebody who says these things and who questions you the way that my friend questioned me it's not an attack on you it's actually people asking us to hold ourselves accountable and responsible for the things that we have allowed in the name of God for our own human desires that we have allowed to exploit other people and to capitalize on other people's oppression and just excused it as but God said so 
However, as I said to my friend in response, I refuse to believe that racism, sexism, homophobia and all the other atrocities of the world are a reflection of the character of God because I believe in a, char- in a God of love. First Corinthians 13, 13. And the three things remain, faith, hope and love and the greatest of these is love but yeah that's that's it that's my story that's like the cliff notes version if i told you the whole story we would actually be here for hours but yeah that's the story in balamori wouldn't you like to know sorry i don't know why i'm doing that (laughs) But let me know about your faith, whether you are Christian or otherwise. Let me know about your faith. And you can let me know by following Miss Educate on social media. The information will be in the description box below. Additionally, so will the Miss Educate blog where you can now listen to these episodes along with a few additional notes from yours truly. And while you're there, don't forget to add your email to the subscription list so that you don't miss out on new posts. And lastly, continue to watch, read, listen, educate, and then re-educate yourselves. And make sure to rate, review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify now and share this podcast with a friend and tune in next time for another discussion on the Miseducate podcast. God bless and goodbye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.